So I'd like to start us off this morning by encouraging you. Is that fine? Is that cool? Can we do that? All right, good. We all need a little bit of encouragement, right? So I just want to say, if you're not dead, God's not done with you, okay? Um, If you're not dead, then God's not done with you. And so the reason I start with that this morning is because perhaps you're here and you're feeling a little beat up, right? Maybe you've come hood sliding in like Bo Duke. Some of you will get that reference. Some of you will not. I recognize that. Uh, Maybe you're here because someone drug you here. Maybe you're here against your own free will. Either way, no matter where you are this morning, if you're not dead, God's not done with you. And so this message this morning is for all of us. This isn't just for the hyper-spiritual or the seasoned saint. This message has ramifications for all of us. What we're talking about this morning is how we can be wiser with our words, part two. Pastor Rod covered this a couple weeks ago. And we thought it would be good to just revisit it. And so we're going to dive into the book of Proverbs for some wisdom on how to navigate our lives well. So before we do that, would you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, we just invite you here in this place. That you would speak to us from your word. That your word would not just be over us, but it would penetrate into us. Into the very spirit that you've placed inside of us. Can we hear your voice this morning? Open our ears to hear, our minds to understand, our hearts to accept these words this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have a Bible, you can open up to the book of Proverbs, to the 18th chapter, starting in verse 21. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay, it'll be on the screen, and it's also in your worship guide. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And then the New Living Translation says it this way, the tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You know anybody who loves to talk? I know a couple people. (laughs) Action, consequence. Speak life, good. Speak death, bad. Right? It's pretty, pretty easy. There's great power in the tongue, though. And no, I'm not saying that the tongue is some like magic wand that we can flick around and stuff happens. This isn't Hogwarts, okay? It doesn't happen like that. King Solomon was talking about our words. And we use them to build up or to tear down. We have great power in the tongue, our words. But it doesn't say just any kind of power. It says the power of life and death. Think about that statement for just a second. The power to give life and the power to bring death are in the words we speak. This morning we'll be looking at the two forms of power. The power of death and the power of life and how we as a people, as a church, in our communities, in and in our families, can affect real change with those God has placed around us. So to get started, let's look at what bringing death looks like. There's death in our tongues, right? Someone once said, words spoken in anger might take only seconds to communicate, but decades or a lifetime to recover from. I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty influential people in my life say some awful things to me that still live inside of me. You know what I'm saying? By a show of hands, um, how many of you guys have had hurtful or awful things said to you that just stick? Okay, and I want you to look around the room. Keep them up, keep them up, look around. That's everybody, right? That's everybody. We've all been on the receiving end of awful words. But at the same time, 
If I asked you to raise your hands again, which I won't, (laughs) if you've ever said awful things to someone else, I bet the same amount of hands would go up if you were honest. In our culture today, we see the use of words in a way that 20 years ago we didn't see. We see a a degradation of morals and a desensitized culture when it comes to the value of life. It's so steeped in our culture today that when someone starts cussing or carrying on about something graphic and nasty, most of us don't even bat an eye anymore. We see it in music, in movies, in TV, on social media, at schools, in the workplaces, and in our own homes. And so this morning, we're going to look at three ways the world uses words to tear down and destroy, which, if we're honest, again, we would admit that we've participated in. The Lord knows that I have. I am not standing here guiltless this morning. And so then we'll look at three ways after that the Lord would have us to build up. So speaking on death in our words, the number one way we see death in our words is this. Point number one this morning in your bulletin. Instead of affirming, we seek to annihilate Instead of affirming, we seek to annihilate. When someone wants to argue with us, we don't seek a mutually beneficial agreement. We don't, we don't look for common ground. We want to annihilate people with our words, right? We see it everywhere in the culture. And because this mentality has so rooted itself in our surroundings, we bring that into our relationships and we try to win with those that are closest to us. And let me just say this, it's the furthest thing away from the gospel of Christ. Proverbs 12, 6, it says, The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. The win mentality is I have to be right. I have to be first, be best. And if we look to scripture, it says the first will be last in the kingdom of God. The go-fight-win approach to life leaves a wake of people behind us that are totally jacked up. Jesus hasn't called us to win every argument. He's called us to love. Can you be right and keep your mouth shut? Absolutely. Men, it's a good place to be, okay? That's all I'm going to say. Been married for 11 years. It's a good place to be. But we don't do that, do we? Most of the time, especially when we know we're right men. (laughs) We let our pride sweep us up and we want to destroy people with our words. Another way that this takes shape in our lives is when someone close to us betrays our trust. When someone close says something or does something that violates a relationship. Instead of forgiveness and grace, our first response is usually what? To attack back, right? We want to attack back. Being in student ministry, I get to see this on full display every week almost. I was talking with someone a while back just recently about some things we saw going on with them and some things I've heard from family and friends. And as soon as I started talking to this person about these issues, they brought up their arch nemesis in the youth group. Well, oh yeah. Did you hear what so-and-so did? and then proceeded to vomit all of this nasty, vile stuff, right? I cut the person off, and I, and I told him that's not what we're there for. But deep down, I think this touches on an issue in all of us. It's a, it's a deep-down, sinful flesh issue that we all deal with, with, our, with wanting to put ourselves above others. Wanting to not look bad before men and women. 
The annihilation over affirmation is our sinful flesh trying to make others look bad so we can look better. When in reality, we're all messed up. Every single one of us. We're all jacked up on the inside. We are heathen sinners on the inside. Stop trying to hide it. We can't hide who we are from God. Embrace it. Turn to Jesus for forgiveness and grace. And when we do that, then we can extend that to others. But the world is so steeped in the annihilation mentality, we want to win. We want to be right. We want to be top, even if it means hurting others to get there. That's sin. But how else do we speak death? The second way I think we do this is by point number two, engaging in ungodly talk or idle chatter. We engage in ungodly talk or idle chatter. What I mean when I say ungodly talk or idle chatter is this. Anything that you say that doesn't bring honor to God. Anything you say that doesn't bring Let me frame it this way. When you're not at church, when you're in your place of business, in school, when you're around unchurched friends, what kind of language comes out of your mouth? What kind of conversations are you engaging in? Are they words that build up or tear down? Are they conversations sprinkled with grace and love or with anger and hatred? How do you speak when you're not around church, when you're not around godly people? I think one big way that we see this in our culture today is talking about anything political. I'm going to go there, all right? I'm going there. I don't care if you're a Democrat, a Republican, a Libertarian, or an Independent. When you get into this divisive subject, we all have thoughts and feelings, am I right? I'm not going to ask you your thoughts and opinions this morning because this is not the place or the time. But my question to you is how are you speaking when you speak about someone with different thoughts or opinions than you? How do you engage with them? When you, when you watch Fox News, how do you respond to those on the other end of the interviews? When you watch CNN, how do you respond to those people on the other end? And how are you responding to me asking those two questions? <laughs> well, I would never watch that garbage, those idiots over there. I mean, I can't believe those guys, right? Or what about the argument in churches over doctrine and what we believe? I can't believe you think that. Let me tell you something about the Bible, son, right? If that's your response, then I hope this helps you see the depravity in your heart. Because if we're choosing sides and engaging in talk that tears others down, then we're all wrong. Check this out. In Matthew twelve thirty six. it says, But I tell you, this should terrify you, by the way, But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty or idle word they have spoken. There is coming a day when we will all stand before an almighty just God of the universe and have to give an account for every word we've spoken. What will we say? Oh, but God, it was was just political stuff. Oh, but God, it was just a filler conversation. It was just really an icebreaker just to get in there with the guys, Lord. How much time do we waste every single day on things that in the end of our lives have no weight or bearing in eternity at all? 
How can we respond as Christ followers to such a divided and hurtful culture? We look back to Proverbs chapter 15, starting in verse 1. It says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. As Christians, we need to be those who think before we speak, love before we talk, and listen before we respond. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Engaging in ungodly talk or idle chatter is just a waste of time. It's a waste of breath, and it never leads to any real fruit. Listening to and engaging in locker room talk, listening to and engaging in arguments or quarrels over frivolous things is a waste of the precious life that God has given you. There's more important things we can be doing. So we see two ways that the world and our culture speaks death, by annihilation mentality and engaging in ungodly talk. So the third point in how the culture drives this death march is this, point number three, spreading gossip and lies, fake news, right? Fake news, hashtag fake news, right? I just love that. It just rolls off the tongue, right? I think this is pretty self-explanatory, but I just want to shine some light on how this looks in our lives today. How many of you guys, by a show of hands, are on social media? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, anything like that. There's a lot of us, right? There's a whole bunch of us that are on social media. Uh, in this media-crazed society, a lot of us turn to it to get our fix on the lives of people around us, right? That's why we do it. That's what we say, right? Yeah, I just want to keep up with the Kardashians. No, I want to keep up with my family and see what they're doing, right? I'm not saying that it's inherently wrong, However, what we do with it and how we use it can be. You see, we see a post from someone on vacation in a bathing suit or hanging out with sketchy company, and what do we do naturally? Oh, no, she didn't. (laughs) Right? Don't even pretend. We see stuff, and we get into conversations with other friends or family, and we start the rumor mill about that photo. Did you see her wearing that outfit? She is so hungry for a man right now. I can't even believe, right? (laughs) Don't pretend. Don't pretend. Or we say stuff like, OMG, did you see David's last post? Like his guns and hunting stuff is all over Facebook. Yeah, we get it. You voted for Trump, and you're a bigot. (laughs) It happens. I've heard these conversations We do this. In fact, we love doing this. And we're all guilty of this. Maybe it's not on social media, but we've all taken something we've heard, put our own assumptions and slant on it, and told others about it, haven't we? That, my friends, is the very definition of gossip and slander, and it's a sin. Proverbs 16.28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 11.9, it says, with their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors. Gossip or smearing someone's character isn't the kind of talk we should be engaging in. And also, let me just be really clear with this this morning. It isn't just what we say verbally. Okay? It's also what we text, what we write, what we send, what we forward, what we like, what we endorse. Do you hear me? Gossip and slander isn't just what people say around the water cooler anymore. It's way deeper than, than that. Excuse me. 
And what gossip and slander does is it bullies people of a different opinion, of a different mentality, and it leads to death. On some level, we're all guilty of these things. We do these things. We annihilate others. We engage in ungodly talk. We spread gossip, not just with our words verbally, but with text, email, emojis, anonymously, right? Don't think Snapchat doesn't count because all of that counts. We don't realize the power of our words. There was a beautiful young woman at this school named Rosalie Avila that Pastor Rod talked about. People spread lies about her. They gossiped about her. They slandered her. They bullied her. And because of those things, she commits suicide. Aren't we called to be different? Shouldn't we look different than the world? Sound different? Speak differently? Don't think this is me pointing my finger at you because I've done these things too. But there's a better way. Some way to stand up for love. To bring life instead of death. And that brings us to the second half of the message and how do we speak life? If we have the power of death in our tongue, Proverbs 18.21 says we also have the power of life in our tongue. And so here's where the application comes and that starts with number one. Life in our tongue. How can we speak life? Point number one, how can we speak life? Through affirmation. Through affirmation. Instead of annihilating, we get to affirm You see, we aren't called to win and annihilate people. We've been given the privilege to affirm. What affirmation does is it sees something great in someone that they can't see in themselves and then speaks it out loud. Like if you see someone who has a following of friends and has this natural leadership quality, right? We need to speak that out. We need to let them know. Hey, it's so clear to me that you're a natural leader. Or someone who has this natural joy. It's like, man, I see such happiness and joy in your life and blesses me. Your joy lifts me up. The sad part is, though, our society, we only do this when someone dies. Right? We come to the funeral and we say all kinds of great things about the person. You were a great dad. Loving husband. He was a sacrificial worker. He had a heart of gold. Passion for life. And because of you, I learned so much. Right? Why do we do that? They're dead. Our words don't have power of life in death. Our powerful words of life are for the living. We get to affirm. I want to release you this morning. I want to empower you this morning to speak words of life over people, okay? As you go about your work day, as you think about and interact with your family, I want you to, excuse me, I want you to think about the good you see in those that God has placed around you. Think about it. Write it down. What good do you see in them? Write it down. Think about the people in your life and what you would say if they died. What would you say if they died at their funeral? What good things would you say about your coworker? About a child? About your mom or your dad? Write them down so you don't forget it and then share it with them. There is life in these words of affirmation. You have no idea where people are at in their minds, and so these words can forever change someone's future. You see, what affirmation does is it unlocks people's giftedness. Okay? When you see something in someone and you speak those words of life, it awakens them to that gifting and releases them to better use it. Oh, I didn't have anybody tell me that before. I want to be a good leader if that's what God placed in me. I want to be joy if that's what God placed in me. 
I want to be a good friend if that's what God placed in me. You see, Proverbs 16, 23, it says, The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent and their lips promote instruction. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Affirmation unlocks what is present in a more powerful way. And it's something we can all do. Many of you have had have received notes from Pastor Rod or the staff every week. Uh, every Tuesday we meet as a staff and we write notes of affirmation and thanks to people for what they do here. And we've heard some of the stories from people <laughs> that were totally changed by the words. People respond with statements like, I've never had anyone tell me something like that before. Or you have no idea how this came at a time and it was so powerful in my life and I feel energized because of it. Words of affirmation are huge. We see something good in some, someone and it's a gift. It's something they're good at. And here's the secret. We see it because that's how God made them. And most of the time, the people don't even see it themselves, but we get to bring that out. We get to bring that out of them. The lips of the wise promote instruction. We get to do that. Do you feel the power in that? The second thing that we can do to speak the words of life is number two, point number two this morning for life, is we get to encourage. We get to encourage. Instead of engaging in ungodly talk, we get to encourage. You see, we aren't commanded to engage in the ways of the world. We've been given the privilege to encourage Similar to affirmation is another underutilized tool in our lives, the tool and power of encouragement. What encouragement does that affirmation doesn't is it helps people move further along their journey where they couldn't have gone themselves. Encouragement is coming alongside someone and saying, hey, you got this. Don't give up. Keep going. You're not alone. We're here for you. I got encouraged this morning Hey, while you're up there speaking, we're going to be holding up your arms in prayer. That's encouragement. When someone's going through the tumble cycle of life and they're getting beat up on all sides, they don't need to hear someone say, well, I see patience in you. That's affirmation. That's not the right tool for the job. What someone needs in that moment in life is for someone to come alongside of them and encourage them. Sometimes it's with words and other times it's just with action. A simple hug to throw your arm around someone and let them know that, hey, I'm here for you. Encouragement is a kind word and a simple prayer. Letting people know that they're not alone and that you will step up to be there. Don't just say it and don't back it up. If you say it, be ready to step up to the plate. Be ready to encourage and step up. Proverbs 12.25, it says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. When we make it a point to look at those around us and focus on the good in them, what it does is it takes the focus off of us, off of our drama, off of our issues, and puts others first. It's not just good for life, it's biblical, and it's what we've been called to. We get the privilege of doing these things. I encourage you this morning to speak kind and gracious words, kind and gracious words that will put the good of others above yourself. Not just with those in your outer circles, but especially with those in your own family. We need to speak words of life over those in our families. If you're here today and you have kids or grandkids or great-grandkids, if you have a spouse or a significant other, 
If you have a mother or father that's still alive, like that, just letting you know we're still here. We need words of life spoken over us. It's not just important, it's critical. It's not just a request, it's required. This is how God created us, to be loved and to have words of life spoken into us. Why did he give us his book? That's words of life. That's how he created us, to have words of life spoken into us and over us and have them come through us. It's critical. It's absolutely critical. I have some friends, some close friends who Janae, my wife, and I have known for over a decade and they love the Lord and the wife. She has this amazing ability to see great things in her family and then to bring it out. And so I was scrolling through Facebook a couple weeks ago doing what we all do. No, she didn't. And I came across a video that she posted and instead of telling you what she did, I just want to show you. Check out this video really quick. Isn't that awesome? You think I started doing that with my family? You better believe I did. You better believe that we've seen a change in my kids through doing this simple thing. Instead of the last thing they, they hear before they go to bed is like, oh, go to bed, go brush your teeth, go do this, go do that. Oh, man, I just go to sleep. That's my house normally. We pray and then we speak words of life over them. And in the last three weeks, we've seen a total trend. I'm not just saying this. We've seen a change. My wife is here to testify. We've seen a change in my kids. That's affirmation. That's encouragement. That's speaking life. Do you see how powerful that can be? We get to do that. In a world so filled with hate and animosity, God has empowered us, given us the example and the power to do this. And it's not about how good we are. It's about his goodness flowing through and out of us. It's not let me be good. It's recognizing that all good things come from the Lord, but we get to bring that gift. We are harbingers of the gift. We get to be a part of this. Which brings me to point number three, the most important way that we can speak life in the lives of those around us. The single most life-giving thing that we can speak is number three, the word of God. The word of God. Instead of spreading gossip and lies, we get to share the word of God. We aren't told to spread gossip and lies. We've been given the privilege to share the word of God. Have you noticed how powerful just the spoken word of God is in this place this morning? Starting with worship and then moving into hearing these words spoken? Just hearing the Proverbs read over you, can you not feel the weight of those words? It convicts us to want to change. It gives us that desire to say, I want to do this. That's the power of God's word. John Edwards said, there is no word so powerful as the Bible, God's word. No other book can so change the hearts of men and no other words can so awaken the soul. The Bible. We get to share the gospel, the good news with people. Actually, Jesus commanded us to do it in Matthew or Mark chapter 16. It says, he, Jesus, said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. It is by the word of God our hearts are turned from evil. It's by the word of God our eyes are open to our sins. It's by the word of God that we awaken our souls and it leads people to cross over from death to life. The power of words we have is to speak the powerful words of God. 
Are you speaking the good news of Jesus Christ? Let me ask you this question. Do you love your family? Do you love your friends, your coworkers? Do you have love for them? Well, then are you sharing the truth of God's word with them? Kirk Cameron, he said, if you had the cure to cancer, wouldn't you share it? We have the cure to death. Now get out there and share it. We've been called, commissioned, implored to share the word of God with the world. It's literally a cure for death. If you say that you love those around you, but you aren't willing to share the gospel with them, I say that's not real love. If you aren't willing to share God's life-giving words with those in your family that you say you love, I say that's not real love. This doesn't say, hey, I'll show them the Lord by my silence and how I live. Listen, that's great. You want to do it Matthew 5, 16, so let your light shine among men that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven? That's awesome. Live that godly example, but that doesn't mean we should do so silently. There is life in the power of the tongue. It means we speak it out. We get to share his word with others. We get to tell people about Jesus. We get to pray for those around us. We get to tell the world. This isn't just an addition to your life. This is our life. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Maximus Decimus Meridius said that. Anybody? No? Nope. Nobody has seen the movie? Oh. Gladiator? Thank you. Right here, Garrett, that's my boy. If we have to give an account for all of our words, I want my words to be his, amen? I mean, really. If we're going to stand before the almighty throne of God and have to give an account for every word, I want my words to be his. Do you feel that? I want that so bad. This dying and broken world needs to hear these words. They desperately need the good news of the gospel of Christ, and we get to bring that to them. In closing, I just want to say that we aren't called to hate. I know our culture is one that spews hatred at every level, but we've been given the great privilege and call to love. We need people to hear these words and take action. We need to speak words of life over people, over our families. We need to speak words of life over our families and friends and coworkers and those we sit on a bus next to and those we sit on a plane next to and those we stand in a checkout stand with. The world needs truth. The world needs life. And we get to speak these words. You guys are going to get a, a, a chance to speak life by inviting people to church. Listen, Easter's right around the corner, right? We have these amazing little uh, business cards that you can hand to people, invite them to church. But here's what I don't want you to do. I invite you to church. Take the card. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, we don't want that. Why is it important? What has God done in you that makes it important that they come to church? You see, we get to share. What has Jesus done in your life? With our words, we have great power to build up or to tear down. And Jesus wanted us to use our words to bring people to salvation. You might think that your story is too hard or what you've done is too bad and that you can't move on. But let me ask you a question. Can you still say good things? Can you still tell someone something good they've done? Can you speak positive words over someone? 
If you're sitting here this morning, the answer to those questions are yes. Oh, but I've messed up and so I've ruined my testimony and now I can't continue on. Well, what about the woman at the well? What happened to her? She used the power of her words to give testimony about what Jesus had done in her and many came to believe. Did it change her past? No. But it changed the trajectory of her future. Just because we mess up doesn't mean our testimony is ruined. We get to use those things, those shortcomings, because they testify to the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. We get to go to Jesus. We get to ask for forgiveness. And we get to show this dead and dying world what it means to be a believer. That we are not perfect, but he who lives in us is perfect. And we testify to that greatness again and again and again and again. You see, Jesus knew we were going to be jacked. He knew that. That's why he came. He wouldn't have come and died on a cross if we could make ourselves right. He desires our obedience. He wants relationship with us. He wants us to listen and obey. And so if you're simply attending church and you aren't submitting your heart to Christ, if you aren't following after him, then all this is when you show up is a really lame hobby. That's all it is. There is absolute transformation when we surrender our hearts to Christ. When we step out into the moments he puts before us every day and share his goodness. When we stop fighting to be right, he moves mightily. It's not just saying, yeah, I go, it's yeah, I believe. I'm not a church attender, I'm a believer in Christ. How lame is it to say I'm an attendee? That doesn't have power, anyone can attend. He doesn't care about a number of times attended, he cares about your heart surrendered. What's better for someone who's in full-out crisis mode in their life? Well, let me tell you something, I go to church. Like, big deal. That helps me how, right? So what's better, that or saying, look, I'm really sorry to hear you're going through that right now. I can't imagine the feeling. I'll tell you what, can I pray for you? You see, I believe and serve a God who bends down to listen to his children when they cry out to him, and I've seen him show up huge in my life. Can I pray with you? Is that not power? That's power. And as the band comes back up, Maybe you're sitting here and you think God wouldn't want to use a person like you. If that's true, what does that say about God? That he only wants to use those who are all together and perfect? That can't be. That can't be because there'd be no one to use. You think, we think, all of us think that God can't use someone like me. That he wouldn't want to use someone like me. He only wants people like you. You have the power to give life. Let's not look like the world. So who's going to step up to the plate and share life with others? If not you, then who? If not this congregation, then who? The burning question then for us this morning is how do we now respond? Where do we go from here? Listen, this morning is the time to respond. We get to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. We get to surrender not just our lives, but our words and breath and voice to him. This isn't just a pep talk. This is life and death. 
Proverbs 18.21 says this is life and death. We come to the altar of grace with God this morning and ask for forgiveness. Ask him to lead us in this way. We need to surrender. Will you surrender your speech to the Lord this morning? Will you surrender your ways for his ways? Who will go? If not you, then who? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we surrender. We ask that you would meet us here in this place in a mighty way. Fill our minds and our hearts with your words, your conviction that leads us to transformation. Father God, would you lead us and guide us in this time of worship? Soften our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.